0: Welcome to Slaking Thirsts, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. I want to begin with a, a public service announcement. Beginning the first week in September... All right, this 11:30 mass is going to move to 11 a.m. It's going to be the only major change in the mass schedule. But after talking to the parish council, listening to more and more people express some questions about could we change now that kind of thanks be to God, COVID isn't what it was a year, two years, three years ago. Uh, could we shift it back closer to another time? So parish council, parish staff, uh, and then the ushers here, we thought, okay. So beginning Labor Day weekend, 11 a.m. is going to be the time of this Mass. If that totally changes your whole world and makes everything awful, I apologize. All right. Okay, <clears throat> so let me begin by saying as a priest, the number one task I'm given is to preach and teach. It says in the Second Vatican Council document on priesthood, the priest does three things and in this order. And teach. Preach and teach is number one. Number two is celebrate sacraments. And then number three is pastoral care, walking with people as they walk towards God. Number one is to preach and teach. Now, that becomes abundantly difficult when you hear Jesus' teachings on things like money or stuff, and you live in Brecksville, Ohio. Or, in my case, when you grew up in Hudson, Ohio as well. And you were just got off of vacation a week long at a lake house in Sandusky. You begin to go, oh, well maybe there's some optional readings we could go with, you know. (laughs) Also, the first part of the gospel today, you hear someone cry out to Jesus. Tell my brother to share his inheritance with me. Now, I remember of my mom's grandma, we called her affectionately Old Ironside, Uh, Grandma Lenve. She didn't talk to her sister, Betty Farkas, for uh, about five years over a table. The table was six inches wide by six inches long. That's as big as it was. And there was a little piece of marble on top, maybe five inches by five inches. No one in the family built it. It had no real sentimental value except it's one of the only things from their childhood remaining and one of them got it and the other didn't in the inheritance and that was it. Years and years of not talking to each other. Many of you have your own experience or people you know who when it comes to the will or the inheritance, uh, it's, it is or has torn the family apart. And what I've discovered is most of us put onto God his view of money and stuff, and it's not really what he has revealed to us, and it usually lacks a lot of nuance that the church with her brilliant men and women who have been philosophers and theologians make. And when you start to hear the distinctions, your heart can relax a little bit about living in Brecksville, Ohio, or being from Hudson, or going on a vacation. Because you start to realize, God wants beautiful things for all of us. So let's enter into the gospel a little bit to see what is Jesus actually revealing and saying, and what is he not, before we automatically run to the moral shaming of, you shouldn't have nice things, you should give them to other people. Because that's the unreflected gospel we hear. Is I shouldn't have nice things I should give to other people. And then we all play this little humble brag game. Well, I got this on sale. Is if we could care less. You have a nice table at your house. Congratulations, you could afford it. Looks awesome. Way to go. All right? So let's figure out what God was revealing and saying. Jesus is there with the crowd, not uncommon. Why were people coming to Jesus? First off, this is important. He performed miracles, and there was something about the mystery known as God and this man that were linked. He had intimacy and familiarity with God like no one else, and he didn't use it as a power move, but as a way to bring people to a beautiful way of life. So they were both captivated and repelled by him, drawn by his power and love, but repelled by the fact that he asked a lot of people. And so if you find someone talking about Jesus and it's not demanding or hard, run away. Go to somewhere else, because it ain't Jesus. But if you found people who are hard and demanding and don't offer encouragement and mercy, run away. They don't know Jesus either. Jesus is the mercy and tenderness of a God who believes in you. He's also the God who says, I know what I made you for and I won't let you settle. They come together in Jesus. Jesus. So the crowd is gathered around. Someone shouts out, give me the inheritance. My brother won't give me it. Tell him he has to give it to me. And Jesus doesn't even answer the guy's request. He starts telling a story. Wildly annoying. Like, can you imagine? You've left your home. You've been walking for days. And someone's like, give me an inheritance. she's like, yes, just tell me the answer so I can go back to my own family. And he's like... I have a story for you. Like, oh gosh. <laughs> now we gotta figure out what these mean. <laughs> he tells a story about a guy who's crushing it in life. By every metric in the business world, this guy is just crushing it. Right? And he has so much, he's like, ha. like, my harvest. Like, my hard work is, built, is paying off so much, I can't even, I don't even have a big enough place to put all the stuff. I'm going to knock down and build even bigger places so I can have more stuff. And Jesus says, he dies that night. And all that stuff goes to people that didn't even work hard people who had no sense of what hard work was all about, no sense of what it took to build this, nothing. Ungrateful people are going to get all this stuff. And he worried, spent his whole life getting stuff, and he finally arrived. Look at that new barn. Dead. Horse hit him. I don't know what hit him. Something hit him. (laughs) Dies right away. Gone. He had maybe 10 seconds of enjoying it. Gone. But this is so important because if we stop there, we think... Oh, we get it. Jesus doesn't want us to have a lot of stuff and big stuff and nice stuff. We're supposed to be not have any of those things, and just give it away and give it away and give it away. That's what we hear. But the next line is so important. In fact, I don't want to mess it up. Let me get the book. The book. Isn't that nice? It's a sacred text, and I called it a book. OK. But God said to him, "You fool, this night, your life will be demanded from you, and the things you've prepared, whom will they belong?" So that's the challenge. And then listen to the next line. This is how things will go for those who store up treasures for themselves but are not rich in matters of God. That's the key. If we're not, this is actually a really weird translation. The better translation is who who are not sharing in the richness of God. If we don't know the richness of God, meaning not just in our mind, not just in our heart, not as a great aspiration, but daily participating in his riches, that's what life will look like for us. We will be restless, exhausted, constantly building, and we will become experts in things that don't make us experts in humanity. And we will die not knowing God or who we really are. And then all the loved ones will be left with anxiety when it comes to funeral time. And they'll come meet with the priest and say, I'm really nervous about my dad, my spouse, my grandfather, grandmother. Because they spent their whole life passionately in love with things that had nothing to do with God. What do we do? Are they going to be okay? So because I only had the 1130 Mass today, I had a chance to read the Pope's homily so I could steal a few things. It's a real nice thing. And the Pope said this, what is the richness of God What is he rich in? And he says, compassion, mercy, forgiveness, generosity, relationship. Our God is rich in communion, relationship. He knows how to be with people, both in their good times and bad times. He knows how to love people when they're succeeding and when their sins are on full display and hurting him. He knows how to love in self-giving love. He knows how to offer kindness and compassion. The Pope goes on to say, peoples whose hearts are set on possessions simultaneously can't have hearts set on this kind of God. In The first reading we hear, everything's vanity. Vanity, 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 vanity. Meaning useless, stupid, not going to work. We know this. If we sit with experiences long enough, how many of you have remodeled or painted a room in your home? And you're like, oh man, picked the right color, looking sharp. And then a week later you're like, oh no, what about that room? The Pope says, when does it stop? He says, it doesn't. The very nature of possessions are always gonna be more, better, newer. It creates an addiction to the restlessness of more. Where God wants to free us by showing us, here's how to be rich. Let me give you a life that actually has things like satisfaction, serenity, peace, and joy. This is not a matter of what is your bank account or how many things do you have. Do you have nice things or bad things? It's not that rigid or simple. It's much more about being so humble before God and saying, Lord, I think I'm more interested in nice things than I am in forgiving a family member. I'm more excited about planning the next trip or having this different kind of couch or getting a new watch than I am in learning how to ask for forgiveness or seek a life of prayer or meaning. I'm more comfortable in building, planning, doing, that I am having conversations with my kids about how's it going? Do you know I love you? Honestly, do you know that? When are times you don't know that? Are we more interested in having a future career that has a lot of zeros at the end of every paycheck and a big number at the beginning than we are in learning, how do I be human? Who is God? How do I imitate him? Because if there is a God, it would follow logically that nothing would be better than being like him. Our consciences are meant to sting us once in a while, but they're never meant to tell us we're bad and unlovable. They're only meant to show us, look, here's a new place where we can experience God's love and support, and I can become even more of who I was always meant to be. I recommend this week you take this gospel Read it through a few times and just say, Jesus, I don't want to rationalize. I don't want to defend. Show me. Show me. Are you just happy that I'm enjoying beautiful things? Or are you encouraging me to sacrifice for someone? He never wants to hurt. He never wants to condemn. He didn't die and rise so he could wag fingers at us all day long. He died and rose to say, I know what you're capable of. Your are capox dei. It's Latin for... You're capable of God, and he will not let us settle for anything else. Amen.